In a world where it is not always popular to share one's Christian faith, we're going to have a conversation about the power of the testimony. So welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, proudly produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. I'm Anthony Alegria. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And while we're here today, we are wanting to remind you that while this is a, a supplemental piece of Christian content, it's something to carry with you. But remember to be faithful in your local church, be serving, and be a part of your local Christian community because that's so important to the Christian walk. But what are we going to talk about in this episode today, Amanda, as we discuss the power of testimonies? So we're going to be looking at some links between the words and the ideas of testimonies, victories, commercials, and music. Um, and what we exactly mean when we speak of a testimony, and where does that exactly fit into the Christian walk into our lives? All right, so a, persis a persistent theme that we find throughout the Bible, and really especially in the New Testament, and even more specifically in the Johannine literature, is this role of the testimony. Not only do we find this in the Gospel of John, or also in the letters of John, or even the, the book of Revelation, but we find this theme that the testimony is something very important. One must come to the conclusion that having a testimony and sharing it is an important part of, well, not only theology of Scripture and John's theology, but also of your life as a Christian. It is faith in Christ Jesus that enables us to live a life that is victorious in this world, and often the world is opposed to Christianity, and having a powerful testimony is very important when bearing witness to the victory we have in Christ. Furthermore, whenever the question is asked, does the secular world itself have something similar to a testimony, or does it witness and testify in its own way of life? This is a question that we need to consider so we can make some comparisons. So let's identify what is being stated, and let's figure out what exactly a testimony is, how we can find some comparisons between things in the secular world, and what it means to be sharing a powerful testimony here as part of the church. So, Pastor Amanda, would you read from us from the first epistle of John? All right, and this is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and it reads as follows. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water but only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. There are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he testified to his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. All right. As we go around the studio today, answering some different questions, responding to some proposals. I think the first thing that we really need to hash out is what exactly is a testimony? I know a lot of people have different things they think of. Um, some back from the Holy Roland era, they might think of somebody waving around their, their handkerchief, people rolling up and down the aisles, but what really is a testimony? Um, so Pastor Amanda, why don't we start with you? What do you think of whenever you hear the word testimony? 
Um, I think kind of in a general sense, when I think of testimony, the first image that pops in my mind is always kind of a court case or um, probably because I grew up watching way too many cop procedurals. But, you know, you, you have where you get on the stand and you're uh, um, someone who is testifying to something you have seen or you have witnessed or um, experienced. And so there's someone asking you questions and then you, you respond with what, again, what you saw, what you uh, heard, what you experienced and basically proclaiming what it is. Pastor Mike, what do you think of? Well, back to the Greek language, the word martyr uh, is the word that we get. And uh, some that the martyrius, I think I said that wrongly, but um, I said that not too good. But anyways, the word martyr comes from witness also. So we look at, at that suffering for an evidence or whether that be the written word or spoken word that points to something that is true. Anthony, what are your thoughts whenever you hear of a testimony? Um, definitely in a pretty much the same camp as Amanda. Whenever I think of, whenever I hear the word testimony, I think first of like legal proceedings. And I think um, even in the uh, Christian setting, it's something very similar. It is a witness. It is something that is given as a testament to, um, you know, God. Well, when we were preparing for the show, I think something in our conversation, we were talking about martyrs, who, who people who died in the amphitheater. There were a lot of people who came to know Christ while watching people die terrible deaths. Um, and someone said, I think it was Amanda who mentioned the phrase, you know, share your testimony and use words if necessary. Is that mm -hmm. the, the right phrase? I think so. I think so. I don't know if anyone's out there and knows the colloquial terms better than we do. Um, <laughs> please, please share them. But when you look throughout the history of the church, you see a lot of people who are martyrs. And... You think of people like the the young lady named Saint Faith, who again they they she had said you know I'm going to be abstinent from things for for God and Rome said no we're going to try to force you to do the very things you're claiming not to do, and they end up taking her to a place where she's put on what is the the hot seat which was a way of killing someone very brutally, and she really didn't say anything in the amphitheater she was being killed this way but yet the guards who were putting on this and lowering the hot irons on there which killed her they came to know Christ. They realized that something about this one's faith was enough to move them to know the gospel. And this is just one story of many. You look throughout the, the history of the church, there are a lot of people who were literally martyred. They were killed for the cause, and their faith that they had in Christ was so powerful. Others that were sometimes the, the soldiers ordered to carry the stuff out, they were moved by it, and they came to know Christ themselves. So testimonies are interesting, and they don't always have, have words involved in them. But they're really just living your life in such a way that matches something else. When we hear of this like court language stuff, the idea is if somebody is a witness into a, a crime, if you've got like an expert witness, what they're saying should be something which is reliable and it bears true to the way that reality actually is. We hear in, in scripture this, this call and command to not bear false witness. And a lot of times we just say, well, that's meaning not to lie. But really it says, don't claim that there is a reality that is not there. When you're on the stand and you're giving an account for life, do not give a false account of the way that the world actually is. The testimony that you have should be something which is giving evidence to that which is really true. All right, so moving on to our next proposal, what really is the difference between a testimony of God and one that we might see in the world? Do you all see anything that's different between the, the testimony one has about their Christian walk and something they might see in just secular society? Amanda? Um, I was kind of thinking, um, there's also a saying that says, even a broke clock is right twice a day. 
So basically a clock that doesn't work, at least it gets its time right. And, and um, so in answering your question, I, I think that humanity uh, within its own power can often give testimony to things that are true, that are found in reality. Um, regardless of your religion, you can look outside and say, the sky is blue. And that is a correct statement. You have given yeah. testimony to a truth. Um, but really, I think what what is being asked even further than that in this question is the testimony of God and the testimony of humans is often um, left to our own devices. Our testimony is, is very limited and will fail. Our, our Not only our perception of reality, but our ability to understand and then to convey that reality is often very limited and short-sighted. Um, versus the testimony of God, obviously, is very complete and holistic. Um, and it does not speak of just one aspect of life, but is all-consuming. And then that's where really, if we look into our passage that we read earlier, it is that this testimony is God giving eternal life. And often we kind of reduce that to simply mean the life that happens after we die, because we get to go to heaven and live forever. And that is a part of it. But really eternal life, the, the testimony that God has given us eternal life through um, God's son, Jesus, is that that life starts now. And it is abundant life. It is full life. It is it is uh, overflowing life. Pastor Mike? Well, I agree with Pastor Amanda totally. But, you know, also, if, if we look back to the Old Testament uh, and, and the very word we use, Old Testament, New Testament, it is that way of life. And so even there's that um, uh, meaning of the laws, whether it be the Torah laws or the Ten Commandments, they're, they're called testaments. So it is that way of life. And so as Christians... We talk about our testimony. We say that because we, we talk about what God has done in our life to change us. But it really is God's testimony. God is the one that is, is at work and, and, and that we are really you know saying this is the agent that was at work, um, God transforming our lives. And so we can also say this is how we, we experience God's spirit working in our life, but we can also bear witness or testimony to, you know, another Christian, a fellow believer. Um, so we can say, you know, look at the Apostle Paul and, and his work, but also Christ's work is so much greater. And, of course, uh, we see the references to the, the water and the blood and the Spirit in that. So. One of the things which is interesting to me, I know we've talked a lot on this program before about art and beauty and things of that nature, where art really historically has not always been something which is supposed to be personal expression. Um, it's, it's Actually, that's a relatively new thing when we look at the, the history of the world. You get back to the ancient traditions and even things which lasted for thousands of years to relatively recently, people said art is about getting to a truth. You're getting to something which is accurate about the way the world is, and that's what a testimony is too. You're supposed to be getting closer and closer to something. And there's this notion, this sentiment that I've got from reading stuff, whether it be like Plato, reading even people all the way up to the 1800s, people like Dostoevsky. There's this idea that the more beautiful something is, the closer it is to truth. And the better a testimony is, the better it is to actually telling the world like it is. You know, that's why you want an expert witness in court. But one of the things which kind of bothers me is there's a lot of times that we get in the art world, a lot of, and this is where people are going to send their pitchforks. They're going to get mad at me for this. But I feel like a lot of times in the Christian world, we see art come out that is not actually an accurate testimony for the way the world is, but it's kind of more of a fantasy that people have. This is the way that we want the world to work. And you can kind of tell when when you see some of these stories that it's kind of a fantasy being lived out than how people actually deal through some suffering things. Um because I don't want all the pitchforks at me, I'm not going to call out too many Christian films. But there's a lot of them that 
they're not accurate to the way that crisis situations pan out. And that's where they kind of lose their power in testifying to the gospel. But if we want to develop good testimonies in life, sometimes that requires being brutally honest about the, the way that the world works and brutally honest about the way that the gospel brings freedom to people. And a lot of times people don't really like to do that. They rarely kind of live in their fa fantasy testimony. Um, well, let's get into this next proposal about testimonies and worship. Um, and since the studios kind of got conversation moved around a little bit backwards, I want to come back to Anthony and say, Anthony, what do you think about the difference between testifying and worship? Or is testimony, giving a testimony, an act of worship? Um, well, I think that depends on how you define worship, which we all know uh, you can get as many definitions of worship as you would like. Um, but I think if you're going off the definition of worship, which means to glorify God and glorification being the revelation of God's nature or revealing and an act of revealing God's nature, then um, I would say that testifying is totally worship because it is like literally um, bringing forth and revealing the nature of God. You know, there's always like a gap when you come to worship. People give like a, a, they'll give a biblical account. They'll do some exegetical work. You know, it's giving worship to God. And then there's always a missing link. It's like they give all these ways that you can have worship and then it transitions to, and it always looks like this form of music in this sort of setting. And you're like, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Hold up, hold up, everybody hold up. There's a huge gap between our hard scholarly work and knowledge of the concept of worship. And yet our imagination always goes to this one thing. Which not that I'm watering down that one thing. I actually think it's great and fine, and there's a wonderful place for it. But we've got to open up our minds and realize that testimony and worship, these things are so much more. Like, we know that. We know that on paper, but yet we always kind of put it in that box. You know, when somebody is actually in the amphitheater, when you're actually at a crisis moment in life, I don't know, maybe maybe you're having to make a, a crazy decision with your, your family. You're making decisions like, do I want to be able to give stuff to, to God? Am I going to... to Instead of me making more money, I'm going to spend more time with my family because that's what God wants me to do. When you're weighing things out and you're saying, I'm going to give worth to God and worth to God's wisdom that God has handed down to me, you know, that's a really powerful testimony. And that's sort of a real crisis that someone goes to. When people are in the amphitheater, you know, if you're a 12, 13-year-old girl and they say, you know, we want to send you to the bad house to do things which are against your belief, and you say, no, I'd rather you burn me alive, you are weighing out the options in the world and saying, my faith in God, the power of Christ is worth more to me than you melting my flesh. Um, and talk about testimony and worship, that's really giving worth to God in a very literal way. Coming backwards in the room though, from Anthony over to Pastor Mike, what are your thoughts on testifying and worship? Well, I think that worship you know, it's essential to say that God is worthy. That's um, is what worship is, and so there is an element of testifying that is confession. That's confessing that God is worthy. And let us not be uh, confused with true testimony and then false testimony, because there are false testimony. But to proclaim that God is worthy, that Jesus is worthy, is done also. Um, verbally, but it is the life that we live and the actions that we take. Pastor Amanda, coming over to you, I've got to come back to this word confession, mm -hmm. mostly because whenever I go over there, um, y'all got some interesting things that, that could be jokingly turned into like medieval torture devices. Y'all <laughs> got some things. I don't know what sort of confession Amanda goes for. Um, and again, I say that on satire. If you, if you go over there with Amanda, you won't get medieval torture. 
Um, <laughs> unless you really need it. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> anyways, Amanda, what is confession and where does that play the role in in actually being true to, to reality? Because I feel like that's one of the missing elements. People yeah. they kind of live out their fantasy, but they don't really want to confess things for what they are. Well, I think confessing is... Um, I think it, it, it is proclaiming something that has happened. Often we think of confession in the sense of, of sin, confessing your sins. And, and that definitely is a part, again, a part of it. But it, it can be confessing, I think, so much more. But, but proclaiming that something has happened or something is happening. And really, I think confession has to be tied with repentance. Because um, I think as a culture, and not like a, this is a modern problem, but really just as a fallen race, uh, human beings... Um, we're really good at confessing. We're really good at, you know, or, or like, you know, an AA, the first step is, is to, you know, to say that there's a problem. And we're really good with that. We're really great with the first step. We're like, oh, I'm just a sinner, or I just, you know, messed up, or whatever it is. But we don't realize that true confession is tied to repentance. And repentance is looking at God, looking at ourselves, proclaiming that there is a difference, and then allowing God to transform us. And so we have, to, if testimony is truly testimony, if it is truly worship, then it moves beyond just proclaiming, I'm a sinner, but it then continues to, I am saved by grace. Um, and so it, it, if, if testimony is truly worship, and then also if we are truly confessing, and again, confession doesn't just happen um, often, I think when we say about like going to confession, we may think of kind of a Roman Catholic tradition of you and one little room and the priest in the other room and you say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And the Father says, well, you know, for your penance, uh, say three Hail Marys and an our, our Father and you're good. And, and really, though, if we don't have that, if that's not part of our tradition, then we kind of like, oh, I'm good. I don't have to confess. I can move on. Or, you know, I've, I've done my two trips to the altar. I'm good. Uh, now their pitchforks really are coming. But anyways, but really what that, that Roman Catholic tradition and even our holiness tradition calls us to is there's a place to have sanctified time and space to to confess and to proclaim i am broken but i also confess and proclaim that my god heals and so the response of of the priest or the pastor or whoever saying this is what you should do for penance is not to somehow absolve you from the consequences of your sin or to tell you well now you can go do it again but it is to say you have to work in participating in um, what God is transforming you into. And one of the things which is fascinating, Amanda's exactly right. You really can't separate confession from repentance because a lot of times if you just confess something without repenting, that actually gives power to the sin. Like I know a lot of people, and we were talking about stuff earlier, like an AA meeting. I know, I know people who have gone through stuff like that where even though they'll start to admit they have a problem, but then it becomes a turn-on for that problem if there's no repentance. Like just hearing someone mention the thing you're addicted to um, will make you want to go do it. Like having that confession without the repentance, it actually allows the evil to, to go. It's kind of like a demon. When you say its name, it draws power and it appears. It's one of those things where you've actually got to couple the whole picture or else you start having that false testimony. And instead of giving testimony to the power of God, you're putting the power elsewhere. Um, I know others had some thoughts they wanted to share on this. Anthony? Uh, we've talked about it a lot before on the show, but it's really, really easy to um, – get a more clear picture of what confession means whenever we can whenever we say things like i confess jesus as my lord and savior it we that carries the connotation better that we're supposed to be living in accordance with the fact that jesus is our lord and savior yeah. savior and if you don't do that then you don't then you don't actually confess that jesus is your lord and savior 
And so on the flip side of that, whenever you confess your sins, if you don't live in accordance with your sins, which is just to say, if you don't live in such a way that says, you know, I'm going to do things which actively make sinning harder or, you know, which um, turn me away from sin, then you're not actually living in accordance with the fact that you have sin. You're just saying that you have sin. It's not, con- it's not confession. It's just more of a statement. Right. Um, Pastor Mike? Well, I think as uh, Anthony and Pastor Amanda said, you know, there is confession needs that repentance, but it needs that next move too of not where repentance is, is, is taking place, but transformation is taking place. So the brokenness is being healed and brought back together and used uh, tremendously for Christ. And so I think that's when we move to probably the next question that we have and is, is and I'm going to throw this at you, uh, Pastor Dylan, is there a relation between testimony and victory and conquering? Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there definitely is, especially if there's actually been victory and actual conquering of something going on. And again, our modern world wants to like shy away from actually some true red-blooded vigorous language that says, you know, there is real victory. There is, there's actual power in, in the gospel, and it's, it's not the sort of worldly power that people will try to twist things into, but there is a real victory that's happening. And again, if it's a legitimate testimony, if it's a legitimate confession, and it's accurate to the reality, and you're actually showing the power of the gospel, then yeah, there's an inherent connection between the victory and the conquering. And whenever those things get split apart, again, it's like someone who says, well, I'm going to confess my, my sin and I'm going to say, oh, woe is me. These are the things I've done wrong. And they come and they'll, they'll actually quite openly say the things they've done wrong. But their testimony is not connected to conquering because they kind of want to wallow there. Because that's, as Amanda said earlier, our race is kind of broken. You know, ever since the fall, people, they kind of like to, to do things away from that. So whenever the testimony is fake, whenever it's false, whenever it's not connected with the victory and the conquering, then then it does collapse. But if it's a true testimony of the gospel, then yes, there is an inherent implication of the victory that we find in, in the gospel. Though it's not always an easy one. It's not the sort of victory of, of gold things just fall out of the sky and it's all <laughs> wonderful. But many times it takes the form of, you know, you have accepted the call of God. You know, I, I love the book of Zechariah and Haggai. You know, for these people who step up to the plate, the victory they get is not golden things, but it's an opportunity to do manual labor. Sometimes the, the victory you get is the, the opportunity to do something which is, by worldly standards, miserable. But by the, the standard of God, it's actually something very honorable. And ultimately, you find that when you go through it, it is fulfilling to do. Um, one last thing as we, we come back together, because our whole setup was about the connection between the secular world's disposition towards testifying in the, the kingdom of God. And I think we need to get back in and hash that out. I know we have a, a conversation here, and that's, that's actually really good. For those who aren't familiar with how something like this is set up, we're in a studio. And we can generally see one another, but not entirely. <laughs> we're kind of in the, the proximity where we can kind of toss things around. It's not like a panel on TV where everybody's lined up. We're in a little bit different sections of, of a studio spaced out, but we can kind of see and hear one another. But one of the things I have learned, and that's I've studied things like the Maoris in New Zealand, cannibals and other things where people have done human sacrifice. And it's always shocked me to be like, how could somebody actually want to do that? But one of the things I have really come to understand is humans, we actually are hardwired to be religious, whether or not we, we want to confess that many in the world, they don't want to admit this, but there is something that hardwires us that says we need a belief system. 
And whenever there is a, a corrupt belief system or something which comes in, or wherever it's even a sin in your own life, it can even be someone within the church, but they've elevated something up that doesn't want them to, a lot of times people want to bear testimony to that thing. And, and people, they will want to be elevated. They want themselves to be made idols. And people in the secular world, they do want to bear testimony to whatever object of their desire that there is. This is something which is hardwired deep within us. But we'll wrap up on this connection between genres of music testifying and just the secular world testifying to things and how that compares to the gospel. Um, Pastor Mike. Well, uh, I think if we just look at commercials in general, whether it be on the radio or television commercials, there is that belief system. Um, and, and obviously they're generally selling something, but one that I will not name uh, by name, but it was a, uh, a vape or electronic cigarette. They, they started out with a disclaimer that nicotine is addictive. And, you know, auto, automatically you're like, wait a minute, how can you actually give testimony of saying this is addictive and probably not the best thing for you. But then they move into that belief system and it's not necessarily a belief system about the nicotine or anything like that, but it says if you're ready for a change and you're, you're a person of change and so this product is for you if you're that person who likes change and this is better, the new is better. And so that is really uh, the area that that commercial actually went to. Yeah. And then I heard another commercial that was extremely good. I, I, it was a local um, commercial for uh, a, a weather program and, and it started out with a siren that went off and it was wailing and then this guy come home and he said we were there and the tornado was coming and um, you know I, I tried to get my family in their safe place and I turned on the, 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 the TV and I was going between stations and your station uh, had the best um, up-to-date minutes by minute, moment by moment, um, you know, broadcast of the tornado and I knew where everyone was at, my family, and I could call people, but I knew where, where it was coming and it was, there's nothing any better. And that was a commercial that bared testimony that said, hey, here's someone who's saying we got it together. And that was, um, you know, it was a, it was a very powerful commercial. Uh, which was a, was more appealing to me than the first example that I give. But yes, um, commercials are in some sense often testimonies. Yeah, like marketing is, is a form <laughs> of that. Um, Pastor Amanda? Yeah, um, I was thinking as um, earlier also when Anthony was talking about a testimony in, in Jesus as Lord, um, that actually was the first creed, the earliest creed, the, the earliest articulation of our faith is a simple phrase that Jesus is Lord. And I think nowadays we've kind of lost the power of that statement because we have tied the phrase Lord very much into a very religious aspect. And so we, we segment it out of our daily lives. But really, um, in the first century, if you proclaim Jesus is Lord, you're also proclaiming that Caesar is not. Um, so this would be mm. like um, the language of Jesus is Lord. Uh, it's like also saying king or ruler or uh, the foundation of life. Uh, the the one who gets to decide who lives and who dies or what rules or regulations you get to live by. Um, so nowadays, I think if we were to say that, um, and this may uh, bring on the pitchforks a little bit, is we may say something like, Jesus is president. And when we proclaim Jesus is president, we also proclaim that there are people who are not. And, um, and <laughs> that's really where the pitchforks comes about, is because a lot of times people want to say, 
the president is Lord. The president yes. is, is Christ Jesus. And they make equivalents. And I actually like how Babylon B makes fun of this. <laughs> like Babylon B is an, an open, they, they're open to making fun of everyone. Mm-hmm. But they've, they've got the pictures um, where the Babylon B is coming and they're typing out like, the Twitter statements of the president. And they're kind of parroting the fact that people elevate these positions too high. And they they it gets into a dangerous area. This is really where idolatry comes in. And really it can happen in either way. But when you start thinking in those terms, it's a it's a dangerous thing. And in the end of the day, that is not where salvation is. So it, it's it is foolish. Well and it, it's it's really I mean we have to live in this world. And, and obviously, and, and because of that, we have to deal with secular and worldly powers, whether those powers are official, like our government, or unofficial, like our TVs and um, uh, different people we may look up to in, in different arts and theaters or things like that. I, I mean, this these are the things that are around us. But ultimately, who do we give the power or really who do we recognize has the power to actually give us order and strength and the ability to live our lives and again going back to our passage we read earlier that this is the testimony that we have eternal life through god's son and that, that eternal life is something that consumes us and so the proclamation again jesus is lord means everything else is not yeah, and that's the thing is you can you can be into things in the world. I mean, I'm not saying if you enjoy movies or even if you're someone who likes reading the news that there's there's just inherent sin in that. But when you start saying this is my new metric for for good and evil, when you let these things start being God, then that's where the problem comes. Um, Pastor Mike, final thoughts. I know we're for time. We got to get things wrapped up. Well, I think there was a question earlier that we really didn't uh, tackle very well, and that was you know is is uh, testimony. Um, how is it related to worship? And it could be, you know, we go and we sing, we yeah. sing our testimony. And I actually, we see that in the Psalms. Uh, but also, you know, I think we can even look at country music and I'm not beating up country music or gospel music or rock and roll or anything. But if you look at country music, you know, there is really a, a in this genre of music, something that proclaims that the country life, the way of life is, is um, what I promote here. Yeah. Um, and so if you, you like rock and roll music, I've been known to listen to a little rock and roll music, but it promotes wild living sometimes, you know. And so uh, kickstart my heart, you know, and it has that powerful drum beat to it. But when we gather and we sing praises to Jesus, it is truly worship and it is testimony that says Jesus is worthy. And I would like, to, that's where I'm going to end today. Well, and, and again, testimony, worship, they go much further than a lot of times we, we take our imagination. Um, any other final thoughts? Anthony? Yeah, uh, I know we're trying to wrap up, but I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I was reading the question, you know, what is the difference between the testimony of God and the testimony of humans? And I'm not sure if the question meant um, like a testimony from God or the testimony that God gives. But I was considering that. What is the testimony that God gives if you were to give one? And I think more often than not, and I think pretty frequently, you can see that God's testimony is actually one for, some might say, redemption. I like the language of sanctification just because it doesn't leave, I think it's a little bit more complete, but it is the promise of sanctification for all those things which are subordinate to God, which I think is like really awesome and amazing. And I think that's what God has been in the business of doing from the beginning. From the beginning, there was, you know, this, the speaking of order and light and just creation into existence. And I think throughout the Bible, you can always see God 
bringing forth his testimony of the promise of sanctification. And I think it's actually really, really beautiful. All right. And Sinisha Pitchforks, we'll end it there. We are Kingdom of the Logos. We are in the Church of the Nazarene. Happy to be in the Church of the Nazarene. Um, one final thing, though, if you'd like to support us, you can donate monetarily at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos. But if you want to do something which brings more people to the program, grab a link to our content, share it with your fans and family, and that will do a lot for us. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes. We're on a lot of different podcasting places where you can download us and take us with you. And we're on Facebook and YouTube. Please help us support the YouTube audience. And if, you, if you're actually someone who's on Instagram, you can find us, Kingdom of the Logos. It has an underscore in between that, kingdom underscore of underscore the underscore logos and you can see some of the weird stuff we do throughout the week <laughs> sometimes I, i'm more skilled and keeping up with that i might post the things i do i'm always doing like manual labor around the church and um, whether it be foundation repair building tractors building a steeple we're doing stuff like that all the time um but check us out with that god love you and have a blessed day